Good evening. Hope everyone is doing well. It's good to see some, some new faces. Welcome here at Linwood. Uh, we are part of a citywide church, and uh, yeah, you're so welcome here. Uh, I want to see, is there any first years in the house? Any first years? Come on. Welcome. You're so welcome here. All right. I hope that you enjoy the service with you. Some of you I do recognize from our first year's camp that we had this week. Uh, welcome here. And uh, if my voice is not as it seems, it's because I maybe shouted too loud or sang too much or spoke too many. Um, so, but yeah, I'm excited for this, this topic of tonight and really this, this theme of being set apart. And we're taking a view of, uh, a biblical view of holiness. And uh, this concept of holy, it is, it is awesome. Like God being holy is the most attractive thing, if I can say it in that way, that draws us to him. Because there's nothing here on earth currently that we can experience that. So we look towards a holy God that is set apart. So I want to do a quick recap of the past few weeks, and I'm not going to do it justice because it's a lot. So you can go and listen to our online recordings, you can visit on our website. But week one, we spoke about being set apart. So it's almost like this box is the red one is set apart from these boxes on this side. You see, it's, it's different. It's set apart. It is, it is it's almost like kept in a holy place, an uncommon place. It is set apart, holiness. So week one, Donnie preached about being set apart, living a life of holiness, but, but we lost this. We lost our holiness. So week one was all about losing holiness, holiness lost. Then week two, Ruda preached about then how holiness is restored. And he used this, this metaphor of us being in a box and then in Christ, we are a new creation. We are set apart in Christ. The, our holiness is restored in Jesus. And then uh, last week, Donnie preached about how we are actually still in this world with all the other boxes, people, and now we are called to live holy, we are called to live holiness continually in this, this process. So we are set apart, but still in this world, not of this world, but in the world. And tonight we are wrapping up this sermon series of being set apart, and the topic for tonight is holiness completed. Holiness completed. And um, before I really go into what that means, I have a story to tell. It's not the best stories that I have, but two years ago, a few friends uh, went to hike the Fani Buerta. So anyone who has hiked the Fani Buerta? So yes, it's, a, it's quite a familiar route, and we were looking forward to some scenic views, uh, like just clear mountains, it's in the Sabe area, it's really a beautiful area. But when we went, we went to the wettest season that Sabe has, I think, ever experienced. It's probably the wettest I have ever been in my life, even more than swimming in a swimming pool. Anyway, so we were on this hiking trail and uh, it's, the wetness was one problem. 
Yeah, that was the easy one because you have your destination, you're going to dress up dry, uh, it, it's something to look forward to. There's a goal. Get to the, the, the house, the, um, the hut, thank you, uh, where we're going to stay in. And that's the goal. Every time we have this goal, just get to the hut and then uh, releases back started to, to hurt day two. And now this is like a five-day route. All right, so day two, her back starts to, to hurt. That means she can't only hike the normal pace. She can't hike the normal pace with her backpack. So who is the husband in this relationship? <laughs> so I had to carry this backpack. So it was, it was painful to her, but it was a little bit painful to me. <laughs> but every time I had the goal, there's a destination. I just need to reach the end. I need to get to the hut to just drop the baggage. And... Um, more than that, uh, I can go on, but the last thing I want to complain about is my sleeping bag got wet. Now I'm going to sleep wet, and that's the worst. So we've made a plan, so if you're married, you can join into one sleeping bag. So that, that, was, that was warm. <laughs> and if you know me, I like my space. <laughs> it, it, it was tight. Um, <laughs> but we were dry. So there was all the time this goal. We, we were hiking, it's this, this pain, this uncomfort. It rained the whole time. We couldn't even see like any mountains. We saw fog and um, every time it just like this hope, just get to the destination, it's gonna be warm, we're gonna put on the fire. We're looking forward to the destination. And uh, that's Pretty much what Holiness Completed is all about. There's something that we can look forward to, a destination, a hope that we have. Because in this life, we are in Christ and we are set apart and, and in Jesus we are holy and we live as holy life. But we still face things. There's still trouble. There's still pain. There's suffering. There's, there's things that bother us in this world. So, yes, we are in Christ and Jesus is a good Savior towards us and is awesome, but there's still these things that we face in our lives. And holiness completed is all about what we're looking forward to the future. And uh, we're going to read tonight from the book of Revelation 21, uh, verse 1 to 8. So we're going to read from the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21, verse 1 to 8. And as you're paging to that, uh, it's also going to be on our slides at the back. So I want to give you a bit of context to where this fits, this piece, into the whole story of the Bible. So the whole Bible, that now if you know this, is this ongoing, continuous story. There's this overarching story that is really a beautiful story. I'm going to break it down So the, in four acts. Okay, so this story has four acts. Act one is where God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1. He created everything to be good. It's creation, holy, perfect. God looked over all that he had made and saw it is good. Act 1. Act 2 is when we lost our holiness, where, where sin came in. We, it's this, this moment of the fall where everything started to go bad. Everything uh, went wrong, disconnected from God. So that's act two. Act three is then from there, from Genesis 
three more or less, all the way through the rest of the Bible. And then there's all these times, these prophecies that point to a future hope. So Act 3 is all about God's redemption, where there's this small stories, whether it's, it's Moses being saved out of slavery, where it's uh, Noah saved from a flood, where there's all these micro stories. But if you look at this whole story, we see a, a climax where Jesus is crucified and then it's still the redemption act. And then only at the end, we get to the final act, which is all about new creation, where everything will be restored, everything will be made new. So this chapter preaches into that, that act, the final act. So we're going to read this together. Revelation 21, verse 1 to, act, 1 to 8. Just before I jump in there, sorry, I'm delaying there, but this genre is really prophetic. So John wrote this book. It was a vision that was revealed to him, and he wrote this then to the the churches in Asia Minor, and it was really to encourage them and comfort them. And many times when we read Revelation, I sense we, we might be a little bit fearful But this is part of God's word, and may it encourage you tonight. But this is a vision of what is to come. So Revelation 21, verse 1 to 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write us down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life Without payment, the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. What a powerful scripture. Father, I pray that you would use your word tonight to come and teach us, correct us, form us, Lord, because we know that all scripture is breathed out by you, God. 
and we know it's profitable for teaching, training in godliness, for correction. And I pray that you would use the preaching tonight to really shift our hearts, our minds towards you, God, so that we can keep on living a holy life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, topic of a sermon, holiness completed. And I want to reveal three ways from the scripture in how holiness is completed. Okay, I'm going to give it to you now. The first one is place, presence, people. Place, presence, people. Three ways of how holiness is completed. Number one, Holiness is completed. It's a new place. Revelation 21, verse 1 to 2. Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, we see this this statement, a new heaven and a new earth. Now, that statement it's actually not a new statement that only pitches up here in the end it's actually right throughout the bible there was prophecies a new heaven a new earth will come but also in genesis god created the heavens and the earth so we see how god's heart is to restore to to bring a a new heaven and a new earth and it's not like he's redoing and we're just all starting over and just starting the story over. No, he's, he's doing something new here, a new heaven and a new earth, and he's bringing restoration. And the thing that stands out for me here even more is that it says that the sea was no more. So he's creating this new earth, this new heaven, and there's no sea. And then everyone that loves the ocean and go to the sea is like, oh, that doesn't sound fun. No sea in the heaven, like can't surf. Um, I'm more mountain guy. Anyway, it's not literally what it means there. And the, 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 the concept of a sea in the, in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, was really referred to as chaos. And they had this connection with the sea that uh, it, it, it's a chaotic thing. Dangerous things come from the sea. You die on the sea. It is dangerous. There's chaos. There's no order. There's nothing that really makes sense. And here, God is saying that there there would be no sea. This vision, the sea will be no more. It means that there would be order. Nothing will happen which is not holy. There's this, this chaos is totally removed, and there's a calmness. The sea was no more. Secondly, or thirdly, actually, is there, John looked and he saw a holy city, uh, a Jerusalem that, 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 that is coming and it's being brought from who? From God. So we see that the city is from God. Now, Jerusalem in the Old Testament, there was always this hope, uh, this, this unction, this expectation that Jerusalem would be this holy place, this this. Gr- place where it is God's city, it's, it's where God's people dwell, and uh, every time sin came in and Jerusalem was just judged again, Israel was judged again, over and over again, and it never fulfilled the purpose. 
But here we see that it's only God that can bring a new city that can fulfill the purpose which God has ordained it to be. Now, what is that purpose? It, it came down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for a husband. And this metaphor, whenever we, the Bible speaks about bride, we know it speaks about the church. Where the church is God's chosen people where his presence dwells. But we see that now this is a new city where God is, is, is bringing this purified bride down to the new creation, new earth, a holy city. And I remember when um, we got married, like that moment, it is profound. If you're not married uh, yet, men, it's something to look forward for your bride to walk down that aisle. Uh, we had these big doors that opened up. It was majestic. Um, and it was, it was beautiful. Uh, my wife was, well, my bride was walking in. And there was this expectation, and she's been, she, not, she didn't add a lot of makeup, she doesn't need it, but <laughs> that day she was preparing, uh, she was uh, dressing up, makeup, extra, like it was extra. <laughs> and the point is, the point is, I'm getting distracted here, <laughs> is that that preparation that, that God is going to bring a holy bride down, and, and the church is going to be pure. It's going to be, be holy. It's going to be set apart. The new city coming down, Jerusalem. And, and the city is actually also then filled with multiple nations. If you read later in uh, chapter 21, it describes this new Jerusalem on how it's going to look like, how it's going to be, who's going to be there. Multiple nations coming together, worshiping God, the church fulfilling its purpose. First off, we see it's a, holiness is completed first off by a new place, holy place, perfect place, a city with no crime, a city with no injustices, a city with no uh, driving out, did I put on the alarm or should I drive back? Nothing of that. There's no worry of what's going to happen now uh, if I go away, or, and there's no worry of what is happening, a new city. And we see that with cities, it, it always starts off like a small town, small farm vibe, and then it grows. And the more population, the more uh, chaotic it becomes, the more injustices there are. It's just the natural flow of, let's say, entropy. And the issue is that this is what we are used to. But the good news is that this new city, this new place, it is holy. It is beautiful. It's something to look forward to. It's a goal that we can look forward to. It's a new place. Secondly, there's a new presence. And I want to read from verse 3 to 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning nor crying, nor pain or any more. Former things have passed away. Verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. 
And also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy. And then it goes on, just up till there. We see that there is a new presence where God is saying, this is my people, and I'm called to dwell with them. And we're taking, taken back to the Genesis 1 where God was dwelling among Adam and Eve. He was with them in a garden. He walked in the cool of the day. They had this perfect uh, devotion, this perfect fellowship with God. And we see our God's heart is to restore that, his desires to be with his people because he is called to be our God and, and the church, his people. And imagine experiencing God like that. Yes, we do get to experience God in a, in a tangible way here on earth when we, we worship him, when we experience him, we, we hear his voice, but you have, to, you have to listen. You have to be attentive. You have to, you have to fast and pray. You have to be sensitive. And, and this, is, this is great, and, and I, I believe God is blessing us by manifesting his presence in a tangible way for us. But this is what we are looking forward to. It is something else where God's presence is fully known, fully experienced, fully revealed. And the reason why he can't do that, because there is no sin. There's nothing that you have to hide from God. There is no sin. There is an openness. There's a, there's a, a direct access with God. So like God walked with Adam, he would walk with us in his presence, in his holiness, in his glory. We will experience a new presence of God, and we're going to walk with him. This is, this is something to look forward to, is this moment, these mo almost moments of the moments of spending time with God. Just absolutely beautiful. We will experience a new presence. When holiness is complete, we will experience there's a new place, a new presence. And then lastly, there's a new, there's a people that God is completing this holiness. Holiness is completed through people. And, and Revelation 21 verse 67, it speaks about this and it says, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and he will be, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. We see our God is really bringing a condition to those that enter into this future hope. There's this condition, and there's two words I want to highlight. The one is thirsty, and the one is conquering. Those who conquer, those who, who are steadfast. First off, this word thirsty, it says, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And there's this moment where Jesus spend some time with a Samaritan woman in John 4, and after a long conversation, Jesus says this to him. He says to her in verse 13, John 4 verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water 
will be thirsty again. That's like normal earthly water, normal water, tap water. Verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Now, Jesus is not bringing water from a different place. He's, he's revealing something that if we thirst after God, he is going to be the one that satisfies. And this, we, we are satisfied here on earth, but it's only to a measure. It's only in heaven that we're going to experience. We, we are not going to thirst for anything else again, but we are going to be thirsty for God or spending time with him. And we will be satisfied. We will not be thirsty no more. Because we will have everything that we need. This place, this presence, it is for the people that is thirsting for Jesus today. It is for those that longs for him, those that desires him, that thirst for him, that wants to be with him. The second word there is conquer. And 1 John 5 verse 45 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God the second condition is it is for those that overcomes the world those that that conquers those that perseveres and and what the scripture is saying it is it is for those who put their faith in God in Jesus, that he is the savior of the world, that you are in Christ, you are covered by his blood, you are covered by the lamb who was slain for our sin. And what faith does not mean, faith in this does not mean you agree with the story. Faith does not mean you, you, you read your Bible. Faith does not mean that you pray prayers. But this faith means that there is a leaning on, there's a trusting in Jesus. And what trust really looks like is like you are putting yourself over, you're giving control over, and you're putting your trust in God. There's a trust, there's a complete trust and faith in God, like I'm trusting this box. I have faith that this, this box will keep me. And God calls us to, to trust him, to, to lean on him, to, to continue our faith in him, and then to keep on having faith in him, to keep on, to persevere, to keep on conquering by faith. A, there's a picture I want to show you. I just want to see how it looks like. You can, you can dim the lights if you want to. That is John Stephen Aquari, and uh, he was a, a he is a Tanzanian, and he ran for his country. It's a marathon in 1968, and as he was was running, he started off. He actually was in a, collu a, collu a collision. A collusion. He crashed with someone <laughs> as he was running. Uh, and he uh, actually he, he had some injuries. He dislocated his knee, and he. Um, like people thought this guy is out of the race and uh, he, he got some medical attention. He really had permission to, to quit the race. Uh, but he actually, he stood up, he, he, he wrapped his knee, the medical people wrapped his knee, he was running. And I can just imagine for kilometers and kilometers 
of pain and suffering. He endured, he continued, he persevered while running this race. And during that race, there was 18 of the 75 that did not finish the race. This guy really had a reason to, to pull out, to stop. And he really finished like an hour after the winner. And that's quite a long time uh, on that level. But he finished the race. And, and the reporters, they asked him, like, why did you keep on running? Why did you, like, what are you thinking? It's, it's crazy. It, it is something else. And he responded in this way. He says, he said to the reporter, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And this was such a profound story to me. And I found these words to, to bring here, and it says that Christ did not die for us to start the race. Christ died for us to finish the race. That Jesus, he is calling you to persevere, to carry on, to live a holy life, to continue the walk, continue the run, to live this life that Christ has died for. He paid a high price, not just for you to get saved, but for you to walk in faith, to live a life that is holy, that is set apart, to finish the race and to enjoy God forever. Amen? Come on, this is something to look forward to, that there's a future hope for those that keep on thirsting and conquering and persevering until Jesus returns, because there will be a judgment. Revelation 21 verse 8, it speaks about those that are not in Christ, those that are not covered by his blood. Verse 8, it says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. There is a judgment coming for those who are not in Christ. And the, the thing really is, if it was not for Jesus, this would have been our reality. This is, our, this, is, this is the bad news that would have stared in our faces if it wasn't for Christ. And Jesus paid a high price. And only those whose names are written in the book of life will experience this, this future holy place, this presence of God and together with God's people. And God's desire for you is to persevere, to carry on. And holiness is completed in those three ways. A holy new place that's from God. The full presence of God experienced of him dwelling among us and a holy people living in joyful eternity with God. To wrap this up, I want us to close our eyes and I want you to reflect on this. I'm going to tell you now what to reflect on. So how do we apply this message today? 
And I want you to imagine yourself, your future self, the person that would be there in this holy place where holiness is completed. Everything is made new. Everything is great, awesome. You're experiencing the presence of God, this holy, ongoing worship. And you see yourself there in the, in the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You're there with people that, that shouting and is awesome worship. There's no pain, no suffering, no sin, no nothing that steals joy. There's only pure joy in Jesus' name. Imagine your future self. Just think of yourself standing there, worshiping God. You look around you, you see some people there. And think now of you time traveling back to this moment of that future self saying to you, speaking to you, saying this is something that to look forward to. What should you change in your life tonight, in this week? How should our view of life shift in view of eternity? How do we act? What do we do? How do we arrange our priorities, our time? What do we do? Just think of the advice that you would give yourself in this moment. What would you do? What would you say? You can keep your eyes closed. I want to give you mine. I have three things. Number one, persevere. Keep on. Continue. Persevere. Number two, is worship. Worship God now until eternity. He is worth it. Worship Him with your life. Sing louder. Worship Him with your work, with your relationships, with your purity, with your thoughts, with your actions. Worship God. Live a set-apart life. Worship Him. It is worth it. And then lastly, it is evangelize. Preach the gospel. Speak of Jesus. Share the gospel disciple, reach out because there's some family members, some friends that was not there with me if something would happen today. Worship, persevere, evangelize. Worship, persevere, evangelize. Worship, Persevere, evangelize.